And the one thing that we've got to get over is this sense that it's us versus them. And I think that, you know, the president has embraced this need for innovation, the need to begin to replicate some of what's been working in other places across the country. And I think it gives us all an excuse to say, you know what, that's the way it's been, but it doesn't have to continue like that. How can we create more powerful, more effective schools? Hello, I'm Dan Dominich. Welcome to WAASA Radio. Welcome, Jeff. Nice to have you with us. Thanks, Dan. I'm really thrilled to be here. I actually met you several years back when I uh, was working with McGraw-Hill, and you were the recipient of the uh, McGraw-Hill Prize uh, that year. You spoke at the event, and that's when I first became aware of the tremendous job that uh, you've done uh, with the creation of the Harlem Children's Zone. What sets your organization apart from other education reform initiatives? Well, we believe that the a challenge in some places in America, places where children have been failing in very high numbers by any measures you really want to use, that in these places, it's really more than just schools which are needed to save children, that they face so many barriers. Healthcare is lousy, crime, drugs. There's violence, there's gangs, and there's often uh, challenges within schools uh, that we think to really solve this situation, that you have to really create a safe space for young people inside a community. We call that a zone, that you've really got to do four things. One is rebuild a sense of community by getting the adults to tackle some of the chronic issues of parks and playgrounds, getting them back up to great shape, creating really block associations and tenant associations where the adults play leadership roles in their communities. And they really set the framework for young people to understand the adults are back in control of community. And for one reason, to really prepare these young people to be successful students and successful adults. Uh, The second thing is we believe you start at birth. We start with something we call baby college. We think you start at the beginning and you literally stay with kids through their graduation of college. Then our third issue is scale. We think that in these communities, you can't work with 10 or 20 or 30% of the kids who are in trouble. You've really got to target all of the kids. So in our area in Central Harlem, we have 10,000 kids. We'll be working with about 8,000 of those young people this year, trying to make sure that we provide this comprehensive set of strategies. And then the final thing is we believe very strongly in evaluation and accountability. In the end, uh, we believe that, you know, you have to be collecting data in real time to tell how you're doing. And a lot of things, you know, we try, they don't work. And you've got to know what needs to be changed. Uh, you need to do that before you've lost a lot of time and spent a lot of energy and effort without being able to really reap the benefits. And And then you've got to hold adults accountable. Those of us who get paid to do this work, that we have to be held accountable for our children being successful, knowing that these children come from challenging environments so that when you know your child that you're working with, maybe they only have one parent in a home, maybe there are issues of substance abuse and other things, we still have to make sure that we design our institution so these children will learn. Uh, But schools can't do it by themselves. You know, Jeff, the uh, Children's Zone holistic approach is very much in line with the Educating the Total Child campaign that uh, AASA has launched this year. And what advice would you give to our members who are working to implement this approach in their districts? Well, the first thing I would say is don't try and do everything at once. You know, we've been at this 11 years, and each year we tackled uh, another issue. 
So if you're, you know, sort of working in one area, uh, we suggest that you work in an additional area and you just think about phasing in these strategies year by year. This is a long-term approach. You know, this is a long-distance race. It's not a sprint for us. So that we think that you concentrate on quality, you concentrate on getting deep into an issue so that, you know, when we begin to do health for young people, we found the best pediatrician in America to partner with us on our program. So don't bite more than you can chew, basically. Yes, I think that's exactly right. And I think the tendency in so many places is because we're so overwhelmed by need that you say, geez, we've got a housing issue, we've got homeless children, and we've got kids who have lousy dental care, and then I've got these kids who are in child welfare, and I need to figure out a way to do them all. Yes, you have to figure out a way to do them all over time, but we would say pick one Start there, make sure it's successful, then go to the next one. Well, you know, the President of the United States has uh, paid your uh, program quite a compliment. Uh, and He's touting the uh, Harlem Children's Zone as an innovative program that he'd like to see replicated across the country. Now, do you think that this model would succeed in other cities? You know, I absolutely believe the model will succeed in other cities. And the reason is that I didn't think this model up. This was something that I would trained, you know, way back in the 70s when I was uh, in college and at the ed school at Harvard, people were talking about the need to provide comprehensive integrated services for young people uh, where you get great leaders, instructional leaders, and great teaching and learning, but you also support the other needs of kids. Now, I've uh, read uh, recent articles in the New York Times and the Washington Post that basically note that the Children's Zone has achieved significant results. Can you share with us what some of those accomplishments have been? You know, we have our own schools that we run, our own charter schools. In our elementary schools, we've sort of eliminated the gap between black and white students here in New York State. So that gap, which is so persistent, is not in our schools at the elementary school levels. We've sent all of our four-year-olds into kindergarten on grade level for the last seven years. We've got close to 600 of our young people which are going to be in college. Now, these kids never went to our schools. And one of the things we've said to communities is that regardless of whether or not kids have gotten a great education before they get to you, it's our job as adults to do whatever it takes to get those young people in college. And we just don't believe you can accept excuses. You're running a middle school and the kids haven't had a great elementary school experience. When we get them in middle school, we say, guess what? We still have to create a structure to make sure these kids get into college. And we make sure that they are, you know, every year they're getting closer and closer to that goal. So we believe that in the end, you collect the data, you hold yourself accountable, and where you're struggling, that you admit that, and, and you accept those challenges, and you improve each year, which is what we're trying to do. Now, you know, Malcolm uh, Gladwell, who's also going to be sharing the stage with you as one of our general session speakers at, the, at our conference in his uh, most recent book, Outliers, mentions the Children's Zone. And uh, I, I think he mentions it in uh, perspective of talking about how creating opportunities you know, can make a difference for our children. Do, do you feel, in essence, that that's what the Children's Zone does? That you know, Malcolm's book is really so terrific. And one of the things that he points out so clearly is that people who tend to be successful work harder uh, than other people. And it's not because they're born with some innate talent or skill as much as that they just spend more effort, more time, and have a stronger belief system 
than others. And that's what we're trying to bring to our young people in Harlem. We want them to work harder. Our schools are open longer days. They're open a longer year. Uh, We want them to have a belief system that they are somebody and you can be successful. And in the end, we want to change a culture which has minimized the importance of education and achievement uh, to one which really focuses on that as the critical thing to celebrate among young people. When he talks about your program, he also talks about the KIPP Academies. And uh, the point that you just made, I think, is very much a component of both, that there is a greater amount of time on task, uh, which is critical to uh, learning, and a lot of other things that that both of your programs do uh, that a lot of the uh, traditional educators that uh, you will uh, be talking to at, at our conference in Phoenix tend to say, boy, I wish that we could do that. How do you see, because you have done it, how do you see that that we bridge that gap between uh, the bureaucracy in public schools and the constraints that they have in terms of doing a lot of things uh, with the opportunities that are created by programs like yours or other charter schools uh, that are free of the, of the red tape and the bureaucracy that often gets in the way of educating kids? Well, you know, recently I sat down with the uh, head of the New York UFT, which is our school union for teachers, and we both decided that there had been history where we've been on opposite sides. And just because that history existed, it didn't need to continue. We both really wanted the same kinds of things. I think there's a new moment in America around education that we can begin to break through some of the barriers that have existed before. And one of the great things I think about charter schools is they ought to be an engine of creativity. And things that are terrific, we should make sure it spreads throughout the whole system. And things that allows we should, you know, um, get rid of. Uh, And having one or two good schools in a community is simply not enough. We support all of our public schools and our zone because those are the places where most of our children are going to be. And the one thing that we've got to get over is this sense that it's us versus them. And I think that, you know, the president has embraced this need for innovation, the need to begin to replicate some of what's been working in other places across the country. And I think it gives us all an excuse to say, you know what, that's the way it's been, but it doesn't have to continue like that. How can we create more powerful, more effective schools? I'll tell you, every week I am learning new things that I try and bring into our programs here at the Harlem Children's Zone, uh, and I'll borrow and steal from any great program across the country, because after all, this is all in the service of children. Jeff, we are incredibly uh, proud of the fact that you're going to be joining us at our conference, and we're also incredibly proud of the work that you're doing in in New York City. I'm a New York City kid myself, started out as a New York City teacher, so I know the challenges that you face, and I know the tremendous accomplishments that uh, you're having there. So, Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you in Phoenix in February. You've been listening to WAASA Radio. I'm Dan Dominich. Thank you for listening. This program is produced by Jack Street Media as part of the Affiliate Nanocasting Network. Thanks for listening.